0: I'd like to read to you uh, from Isaiah chapter 9 today, Isaiah chapter 9. I just want to remind you it's a good idea to bring your Bibles to church or you open your phone app or whatever so that you can make sure I, I can't always read the entire chapter or something. So you get full context. I try to do the best I can. But um, it's a good idea to have your Bibles. I'll begin reading with verse 2 today of Isaiah chapter 9. And then we'll go over to John chapter 8 for one verse. Okay? So Isaiah 9, 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as men rejoice while dividing the plunder For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding holding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We're jumping now over to John chapter 8, where Jesus is speaking. And you can uh, read with me verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The weak. Of Christmas, the week that Christmas falls on, um, we will be handing out a a devotional uh, just to help you uh, in those seven days leading up to Christmas morning uh, to just have some uh, a few moments with God, a few moments to to reflect on the season that we are in. and, And most importantly, to reflect on the fact that the light of the world has dawned here. And it will help you with that. And and in one of the devotionals, you will find a story or you will see something that refers to what I'm about to share with you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to use your imagination. Teenagers, you know what imagination is because you use it to tell your parents why you are an hour late for your curfew. Okay? It's that thing that you use to explain to your parents why it's all your teacher's fault that you got a bad grade, okay? Use your imaginations. I'm asking you all to do that. Let it be vivid, and let it, let it work well this morning. And here's what I want you to do. I want, to pro, I want you to project yourself into, to, to imagine you as your 18 to, say, 21-year-old self in that, that era. You are in the, your physical prime. You feel great. You have energy, that, uh, probably almost as much energy as you ever will in your lifetime in that period of time. You have a spirit of adventure. You're brave. You, you're, you're willing to take some risk, okay? Put yourself there. Imagine that. Imagine that you feel really good. And one day you are feeling particularly adventurous and curious, and you decide that the, since you happen to live pretty close to a cave that you have never been in, that it would be a great idea to take a flashlight and go into that cave. And you take your flashlight, and you're, it's, a good, it's a good flashlight. You head on into the cave, and, and you go deeper and deeper into the cave. And you notice as you're getting deeper into this cave that there are places where you have to choose there's, you could go this way or that way and you you make your choices and you just keep going. And you also notice as you're going along that there are places that are treacherous. You look down and there are some deep, deep holes. And you have to be very, very careful to get across certain places. And, but you pick your way down through that cave. And before you know it, you're, you're almost a mile deep into the cave. And... Just as you're looking over the edge at one of these gigantic holes, you lose your light. It falls out of your hand. And it falls and it pounds on the rocks and it breaks. And it's no longer working. And it is so dark that you can feel the darkness. And it is at that moment you realize you made a really big mistake. You're there in that cave in complete darkness, all alone. It's just you and that darkness. And now every sound is horrifying, even water dropping. And you're afraid to move because you're in complete darkness. You can't see anything at all. You're afraid to try to make your way back out of the cave because you have no light to guard you and you know you came past drops that would kill you. And I'm just asking you, use your imagination and put yourself there for a few minutes and realize or think about what that would make you feel like to sit in absolute, utter darkness in a place that you don't know how to get out of. You don't have a shot. It occurs to you that maybe nobody will ever come. And you sit there. You find a spot to sit, and you're in fear. I want you to imagine that you're there for more than an hour. You try calling out. That didn't work. And you start to pray. Because in this blackness, your heart is pounding. And you're thinking... I could die down here. And you're imagining every way that something bad can happen to you. And again, every little sound, any rock that crumbles down the wall just horrifies you. And you begin to say, God, please, please help me. And I want you to imagine what that will feel like. Maybe you can relate already. Maybe you haven't been in a cave, but you know darkness. Maybe not the kind of physical darkness I'm describing, but maybe some of you feel like you've been there before. And I want you now to imagine what it would feel like to you as you're sitting there to look toward where you came from and actually begin to hear sounds like a voice. And as you look out toward that voice, you suddenly see a ray of light. A glint of light. And they're coming for you. And I want you to imagine what comfort that light would bring to you as it came closer and closer to you. I can tell you this. In my mind, I wouldn't care who it was coming down that cave. I wouldn't care. If they had a light and they could get me out, I'd be all about it. Amen. And I want us to think about that and put that sort of as a foundational thought in our mind as we're looking here at this particular passage of Scripture, in our first week here of this Christmas season, we're introducing a new series based on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. And we're calling this series The Light. But the verse says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Please note that in this passage of the Scripture that the light that is uh, referred to here is not an object. It's not the sun. It's not the moon. It's not a star. It's not a flashlight. It is a person. The light referred to in this passage of Scripture is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, who was given by the father to this dark world on those living in a land of the shadow of death a light has dawned have you thought about that lately when you come into this season are you thinking a little bit about the fact that this world full of darkness has had a great light appear and dawn on us has the light dawned on your life church Have we lived so long with the light that we have forgotten its beauty and its brilliance and its significance to us? Have we heard the Christmas story so many times that the story of our savior and our king and our salvation coming to this world has become more like folklore? Have we relegated Jesus to the same spot in our thinking as Santa Claus elves and reindeer? It's a challenging thought. Into a world of darkness. The light has shone. The light has dawned. And it has been with us. Thank the Lord. In a period where there was a lot of controversy. Concerning, swirling around. And amid speculation on who he really is. Jesus happened to be teaching Some people and he made this bold statement that I read to you out of John chapter 8 verse 12. I am the light of the world, he said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus made no apology on that particular day when there was confusion. Just who is this guy? He does miracles. We see some things and some people were saying he's a great prophet. He's a great man. Some were saying, no, he's filled with demons. That's how he does these things. He stood up in the middle of all that controversy and he made no apology for standing up and saying, I'm the light that dawned. I am the light of the world. I'm the guy that the scriptures were talking about 750 years ago. It's me. I'm the light of the world and I've dawned on this dark, horribly, dismal world. And folks, whether we remember it or not, I want to remind you that he is our hope. He is humanity's only hope. He is our bright, brilliant guide to eternal life. He is our salvation. He came as God to rescue people from darkness. And thank God, Jesus is here now. Praise the Lord. It's enough to even get uh, Christians like us a little blessed. Amen. We can get excited a little bit. He made it clear that he is the light. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the properties of this light. And again, not speaking of an object. Speaking to you about the Son of God, the light. This light illuminates. Of course it does, Pastor Ken. That's what lights do. But sometimes we forget, and I'm just going to state the obvious for you. It illuminates. This light is like no other. He is God's only Son. He is not a light. He is the light of the world. And praise the Lord, He illuminates. Now, every year around Christmas time, I, I find evidence that not everyone celebrates the dawning of the light of the world. Not everybody's excited about Jesus Christ. A lot of places, a lot of our public places have even stopped using the word Christmas because it has Christ in it. Because here's the thing. There are a whole lot of people who are very uncomfortable with the light. They like the darkness. They like the fact that they can be in darkness. And they prefer the shadows to the brilliant illuminating light. And I'll get to that in just a second. But we've gotten to a point. And I don't have to work very hard to, to make my point here. PC language is everywhere. We, we try to be so very careful. People who work in retail stores are instructed say happy holidays as opposed to Merry Christmas. And, and, and it's all in an attempt to make sure that people aren't comfortable... It seems that many people are uncomfortable with the light. And one rationale for all this PC talk and, and, and being sensitive to other people is that there are other belief systems and other religions that celebrate other holidays this time of year. This is, it isn't just Christmas time, it's other holidays times. And, and, and so it's about other belief systems and other versions of the light. The thing is, though, Jesus is the light and there is no other light. All the other ones are counterfeit. I'm not trying to be harsh or unkind, but I believe in preaching the truth. And the word of God says it so clearly. There's one light and it's Jesus Christ. And the, uh, the thing that makes people uncomfortable about Jesus is that one of the things he does is he illuminates our sins. Amen. And I'm grateful for that. I don't like it sometimes that that sin shows up. But I'm glad for the illumination of the Holy Spirit in my life. Of the Son of God. The light of the world. He brings it right out into the light. Jesus illuminates how a person can be holy and sin free. He provides that. He illuminates how to love God. To love others. How we face temptation. How we read the word. How we endure our trials. Live free. Of sin accomplish lasting things. And oh so much more. He lights the way. For a purpose filled life. For a way to eternal life. His light illuminates the way to salvation. Because he is the light of life. That's what the scripture tells us about Jesus. He brings us life. Simeon understood it. He knew how unique the Christ child was. Eight days after Jesus is born. Because they are good, faithful, law-abiding uh, Jewish parents. Mary and Joseph. And, and I, I marvel at Mary. This was a probably 14 or so aged young lady. First baby. And just every experience that she went through with Jesus to me just, just uh, amazes me. I, I can see why God chose Mary to, to mother his son. But it's really interesting to me this time they, they take him according to the law to the uh, uh, temple in Jerusalem. All male babies were to go there and they were to be circumcised on the eighth day and named. They already knew his name, of course, but they were to officially name him. And they take the child and, and, and they take care of that. And there is a man there who has been going to that temple day after day. He's a devout man. He's an older man. And he loves God. And somewhere during his relationship with God, God, the Spirit revealed to him Simeon, before you die, you're going to get to lay eyes on the salvation of the world. You'll see the light of the world, Simeon. And on this particular day, he is in the temple and he is praying. And I don't know if he saw Mary and Joseph when they first came came in. But at some point, his attention is given to Mary and Joseph and the child. And the spirit of God says, there he is. Simeon. And I just imagine the moment for Mary, how this must have felt to have this little old man. She didn't know <laughs> walk up to her and like ask to hold the baby. And for this man, it was the best moment of his life. Because I can hear him with excitement looking into the face of the king of kings and the Lord of lords and realizing what the spirit had revealed to him. And he spoke it out to Mary and Joseph. Actually, he he prayed in front of them. He said, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. My brothers and sisters, this is no small matter. Jesus is the light of the world. Praise the Lord. He and he alone illuminates the way to eternal life. No other, no so-called light can do that except Jesus Christ. He and he alone is the light of life. Do you want to have eternal life? Do you want to leave darkness behind? Do you want that light in your life? Only Jesus illuminates the way out of the darkness. Follow another light and it will lead to eternal darkness. I shudder to even think what this world would be like had the light of Christ not dawned. Let me tell you, as bad as it may have been when he came and as bad as it seems to be now, Thank God Jesus came. I don't even know that it would be still standing today or existing today. Without Jesus, there's only utter darkness and everyone would be lost. There may be increasing efforts to extinguish the light of Christ, but please take heart. They did that way back when Jesus was born. You remember the story of a man named Herod who was a a king and a leader and was intimidated that Jesus was there and he did a horrible thing. He killed a whole bunch of people trying to extinguish the light of Christ. It never happened. Christ lived. Christ uh, ministered among the people. God protected him and God even though Jesus would one day be crucified God was glorified in all of that. The demons thought and I'm sure the religious leaders thought on the day that they put him on cross and that's why we sang about the cross today on the day that they put him on a cross they said we have extinguished it we shut his mouth we made him stop we stomped it out they had no idea that was only Friday they had no idea that on Sunday that light would dawn again he rose again in his power and his glory and what happened there was an explosion it wasn't just him walking out of a grave he exploded out of the grave and the world would be forever changed and that's why you're here today by the way because for many of you the lights dawned, and you'll never be the same because of what he has done he has illuminated to this world the way to god there may be some people who are uncomfortable with the fact that the light is still in the world but i praise god that he is trust me and believe me jesus is alive and well and he's still with us hallelujah thank god the light of the world is still illuminating He is still present and he is still doing what Jesus does. The second thing that I want to mention to you is that he draws people the light. Draws people, I mentioned to you, if I were in a cave for uh, a complete darkness and and, and and I was sitting there for more than an hour, terrified, scared in complete darkness, I wouldn't care who had a light. I, as soon as I was able to see enough, I'd go to the light. Wouldn't you? Good grief. Of course we would. To get out of that darkness, it would be such a beautiful gift to see that light coming. And oh, how Jesus has the ability to. To draw people. Listen, my friends, I make no apologies that we try to do a whole lot of things in this church to effectively communicate the gospel in order to reach people who don't know God. I don't make apologies, and, and I'm not trying to sound corrosive today. I don't make apologies for proclaiming as your pastor, there is one light, one way, one I can't apologize for that because that's what this book says. That's what the word of God says. And I believe it with all of my heart. And so I don't apologize for the fact that we have a passion to reach lost people. We're constantly attempting to relate to unsaved people in order that they will have the life of Christ dawning in their heart. I want that to happen for every person I can possibly make it happen to. One of the core values of a ministry called lifechurch.tv. Is led by Pastor uh, Craig Groeschel. I like him. He seems to be a genuine, godly man. He's a young man who seems to be on fire for the Lord. I love what he said. This is their, one of their statements on their website. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one else is reaching, we will have to do things that no one else is doing. And I'm not afraid to tell you, I'm not, I, I like that statement. I'm glad for churches that are willing to do what they have to do because they're rescuing people or at least they're doing things that will help rescue people who are lost. Let me tell you something. If I was lost in a cave and I was waiting for rescue, I wouldn't care what method they use as long as they get me out. It wouldn't bother me. I wouldn't be offended and say, well, I don't like your technique. I'm going to just sit here. Let me tell you what lost people do. They don't care how the light dawns. They just want the light to dawn. And they're not going to say, man, I cannot believe you used that kind of music. Or I cannot believe that you did that kind of activity. That's why I'm not apologetic of the fact that we'll try a lot of things. But let me say that all of that said, the thing is, We don't draw a person to Christ. And this church, as hard as we may try, will never save an individual, not one soul. It is Jesus Christ who draws people to God. Not gimmicks, not programs, not anything else. So all that I said is qualified with the fact that we have an understanding here that we don't save people. Amen. I never saved anybody. I never will. I know who does. I just tell them who the light is. I show them the light. I bring the light if, I'm, if it's possible for me to do that. Because, by the way, again, Christians, if you didn't know it, and we're going to get into this a whole lot more, you are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. Why? Because he dwells in you. And you are that candle in the darkness that comes down into that cave. And, all oh, that's important. It is Christ, the light of the world, who draws people, not us and there's no replacement or substitute for that light i love what he said jesus said in john chapter 12 verse 32 but i when i am lifted up upon the earth will draw all men to myself folks i want to i want to lift jesus up here and i want to make him known so a counter light, a counterfeit light does not draw people to god it may get them excited it may get them emotional but it will never draw a person to christ I became a Christ follower, not because of other people. They helped. God used them. But I became a Christ follower because I saw him. I saw him. That's what changed everything for me. What I think is that he sent a godly person into my life who was a light. and and was used reflecting the light of Christ. It sent a godly person into my life, and it made all of the difference for me. I've told you the story over and over again, so I won't exhaust you with it, but I grew up way out in the sticks in a big family, and one day, first-generation Christian, the only time I ever heard Jesus mentioned was in cursing. I didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. The only time anybody ever mentioned him in my house was when they were cursing. But oh, one day God sent this little lady. I, I still, uh, blows my mind, her, her tenacity and her courage. I thank God for this woman. She comes rolling up into our yard in her car. And, and I told you before that my mother was mentally ill and she was an animal hoarder. And it was at that time, I'm, I'm fairly certain we had at least 20 dogs on the property and at least 20 cats. And I remember people driving into it. We had a horseshoe-shaped kind of dirt driveway. I grew up on a dirt road. And I still remember people would drive into our driveway. And all the dogs would burst through the porch and run out to the car barking. And I would watched them drive right out again. You know, the salesmen, we didn't have to worry about that. We took care of our salespeople. Just let the dogs out. And I still remember this dear lady, man. She she wasn't intimidated. She got out and there was just something about her anyway. I, I can't even describe it to you to this day. I can't fully describe it to you. But she got out. She marched right past the dog, pet the great big dogs and kept on going, came to the door and knocked on the door. And I remember um I remember my dad and mom going to the door and her talking to them for a few minutes. And then we were, you know, like looking around the corner to see who was there. We didn't know her. And I think it was dad who motioned us over and we get close to her. And again, I, I knew none of this language. I didn't understand very much, but I still remember her smiling at us kids and looking at us in the eye and saying, I would like to invite you to come to my Sunday school. Would you like to come? I didn't know what Sunday school was. It had the word school in it. I wasn't too sure. Sure. But I listened, and and I thought about it, and there was just something about this lady that was engaging. What I didn't know then was I was seeing the light, and I was in utter darkness. But I went. Uh, My whole family, my dad, we asked dad, you know, I found myself, dad, can we go? Can we please go? Can we go? Because I liked her. I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know what the church was like, but we had never really been there. So I thought it would be cool to check it out. And my dad made a promise to the lady. And one thing about my dad, if he promises you something, he keeps his word. And he he says, All right, we'll be there next Sunday. And so the deuces show up to a little pilgrim holiness church in Goldsboro, Maryland. We took up a whole pew. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. If I sat on the very end, if I acted up, dad could still reach me and smack me on the head. I don't know how he did it. Didn't matter. But anyway, we took up the whole pew, and, and I told you the story, so I won't bore you, but for an ADD man, it was, or little boy, it was awesome. I loved it, because that was a lively little church. Let me tell you, when we sang in that church, people got excited and happy and would shout, and, and, and hands would go up in the air. And I heard words I'd never heard before, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I didn't know any of that, but it was fun. And I was like a kid with whiplash, man, looking, watching people as they jumped up. And, and, and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. I loved that church. It was just so much fun. And then the Lord brought to me his light through uh, what was, I didn't know what an evangelist was. I had no idea. But I just remember some big old boy from Kentucky. And he was only 6'2". And today's standards, not a great big man. But man, when you're 10 years old and back in those days a 6 foot 2 inch man was a big man. And he was one of these... um... When he preached, he would turn beet red. Man, just get as red as he could get, and his nostrils would flare out, and he would pound on the pulpit. And I just loved it. I said, "Man, look how mad he is! Who's he mad at?" And I'm looking around, and suddenly people are shouting, "There! That's that! That's who!" And they're shouting, "Everybody's mad!" And I just loved it. I just thought it was the coolest thing. And and for me, it was all about the show. I was just enjoying what was happening. But but then the the moment of the the invitation comes and. And the Holy Spirit began to deal, and my parents went up, and and my brother went up, and I'm still just absolutely clueless. But I finally, just out of curiosity, left my seat, and I made my way to an altar. And this is what I can't explain very well to you. I didn't have anybody talking in my ear. I didn't fully understand the, the sermon. I just was enjoying the show. But suddenly, as I knelt there at the altar, and I listened to my brother praying, It dawned on me that the light was there, and I was in darkness, and he drew me. And I don't know how this happened. I just became aware that I needed his salvation, and I needed his forgiveness, and that I was going to go to hell if I didn't repent. And I began to cry out to God, and tears began to track down my cheek. Just minutes before, I was having a ball. And now I'm crying for God to forgive me and to take my sins away. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't ever underestimate the power of God to reach a child. I was an ignorant 10-year-old little boy. I didn't know anything, but he transformed my heart on the spot. Nobody will convince me I wasn't saved at age 10. My life was different. I thought differently. I was a different person. Because of what he did. Why? Because the light dawned. I was in darkness and didn't even know I was in darkness. And yet the light came. And he came and did what he did. And I'm going to say this to you without apology. A counterfeit light can't do that. Can't do that. And we can't manufacture Jesus. Nobody can imitate him. He is one of a kind. He is unique. He is the one and only son of God. And he's the light that dawned on the world that day. Praise God for Jesus Christ. You know what? He's still here. And I praise the Lord for that. But I will tell you folks. Our church can expose people to the light of the world. We need to do that. But only he can dawn on their hearts and draw them. He must draw them. Finally, let me say of this light, the light dispels darkness. And that's what light does, physically speaking. That's why we like it. It gets rid of darkness. It makes darkness go away. Light illuminates a place. It dispels darkness. And let me tell you something. From the moment that Jesus came, he began to dispel the darkness in this world. This deeply dark world became something different because of him. He changed everything. Entire races of people, entire cultures and countries which were in such darkness and complete ignorance now know. Because Jesus had dawned in those countries, they now know what it is to know the Lord. One read through the Gospels and a person can't help but see countless examples of how Jesus day after day dispelled the darkness. Blindness, deafness, leprosy, all kinds of diseases lose their grip when he comes and he speaks even just one word. He dispels the darkness of it all and overcomes it and defeats it. Demons fled at his one word, at his command. Even the darkness of death is dispelled if he says let go. It has to let go. That is the power of the Savior that I love No matter how bleak the circumstances, no matter how violent and menacing the storm, when Jesus says that it has to stop, it has to stop, he dispels the darkness of the storm and he changes everything. And he does that. He dispels it on Friday. As I said, he was crucified and they thought that the light was put out only to explode on Sunday morning when he rose again. And his light is still dispelling darkness in the world today. In countless lives, my brothers and my sisters, through countless miracles, in countless circumstances, when Jesus shows up, something glorious happens. The darkness goes away. He comes into a heart and he changes everything. And I know some of you are saying, Pastor Ken, listen to me. I have come to God many, many times with with problems I'm facing, with depression and things that I've asked for him to dispel the darkness, and it hasn't really happened for me. I understand that that can happen, but I'm telling you, you hold on and you look at the light and you focus on him and you obey him. Do what you know what you should do, and it will all change. He will dispel, dispel your darkness. If somebody is sitting here saying, you don't know how much in the grip of darkness I am, Pastor Ken, you don't know the power of that darkness in my life. I want you to know that as powerful it is on you, it's nothing to him and he can dispel it completely and set you free. He's still doing it, my friends. He still has that power. He's still the light of the world. And I want us to capture that this, this season. I want us to understand we're not just celebrating a holiday. I don't care about holidays. I care that the light of the world has dawned on this, this world and he dispels darkness. I celebrate him. I celebrate the light today. And I'm so grateful For what he does. And let me tell you. No matter how menacing or violent or dark your storm is. Jesus can dispel it with one word. He can say peace be still. And it's done. He can bring an end to your darkness. He can bring an end to your suffering. And that's what he will do. He is doing it today. He is changing things. And it makes all of the difference people. When Jesus dispels the darkness in a person's life. It changes Everything about the way we think, the way we conduct our lives, he dispels the darkness of our sins and he takes them away and he helps us to live a different kind of life. Listen, I don't want to be a prisoner of sin. Neither do you. You don't want to be in that kind of darkness. And I can tell you, if you're not happy with the person you are, the key thing for you to do is to find the light of Christ. Let him draw you and let him do in your heart what he wants to do with your heart. And he will change your attitude. Your circumstances sometimes don't change. Amen. You've been there, done that. Right. But you've changed. As you rest in him, as you trust in him, there's still light present in the middle. When everybody else is dark, light's there for you. And I praise the Lord for that. I trust in him. I know that he is exactly who he claims to be. Can I ask you something, by the way? And I'll just finish this thought with this thought really quickly before I ask you. When Christ dawns on us and he gives us life, he gives us a purpose for life. We have a reason to live. We have a, we have a reason to be. Here's what I want to ask you. Does the Lord ever use you? Is he able to use you? Are you available for him to use you to dispel darkness? Is Jesus shining significantly enough in and around you and in us as a church that people notice him when we're around them? Let me tell you what I saw in that little woman, that preacher, by the way. She was the pastor of the church. I didn't know it then, but the reason I felt so compelled to go to that church was that she had Christ in her life. In such a significant way, it was noticeable. And that's what drew me. There was something about her that I could not put my finger on. But, oh, I'm so glad that the Lord drew me even through her and used her life in my life. And I'm asking you, can the Lord use you in a dark circumstance and illuminate the way you can come forward, Brother Joe? You can start to play. Have we forgotten that we are now the body of Christ? Have we as a church or as a people gotten off mission Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do a people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Later in this series, we're going to really look at what Jesus means by that. What does it mean that we... By the light of the world. It's a little scary. But that's what he said. And we'll look at that. Let me circle back and ask you. Are you in darkness today? Are you lost? Are you frightened? Are you afraid to move? Do you feel imminent danger? Because of where you are. Could you use some direction? Some guidance? Do you lack peace in your life? It is found in Jesus Christ, the light of the world. He comes into that darkness and he illuminates the way out. And it's just the truth. I said earlier that the light of the world is not an object like the sun or the moon. It is a person. It is Jesus. If you want your darkness dispelled, you must put your place in your your place, your trust in Jesus to do so. He is with us today. He is poised to give us his light. If we will but seek it, he will illuminate a brand new life for you.